so today we're going to have a day of dedication. Um, the Lord's just dropped this in my heart this week, uh, so strong, uh, and this story that we're going to look at, um, it's found in, uh, in Samuel. But I want to tell you a real quick story. Uh, there was, if you've ever been to a baby dedication at a church, we've had them here before, certainly. Uh, many churches have them, but uh, a mom and a dad brought their little baby to be dedicated, and little Johnny was with them as well, his older brother. They had a baby dedication, and on the way home, the little boy Johnny sobbed all the way home, and the dad kept saying, what is wrong, Johnny? What is wrong? Asked him several times, and finally, Johnny said, okay, I'll tell you. That pastor said he wanted us to be brought up in a Christian home, Dad, but, but I want to stay with you guys. So, he was pretty upset. thought he was going to have to go to another family. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's bad, isn't it? Sorry. You know, baby dedications are a wonderful part of, uh, of, of the life of a church. We've certainly had them here before, continue to have them. Feel free to... Uh, Bring the babies up, and we'd love to have some dedications uh, to the Lord with that. Um, yeah, I, I was dedicated to the Lord when I was a baby. I know Kelly was as well, and several of you could probably say the same thing. When you were a baby or a toddler and you were in church, you were dedicated to the Lord. Uh, but a lot of us didn't grow up in church, and you were not dedicated to the Lord. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, being dedicated to the Lord is powerful. It's important. And it certainly makes a statement to the Lord that the parents have made a commitment to um, to raise that child up in what we know as the fear and admonition of the Lord. You've heard that phrase before probably. But being dedicated to the Lord will not save you. I, I don't know if maybe some of you grew up in a Catholic church and you were Christian. And, and there's different sorts of ways that, that parents do that and present their babies, their children to the Lord. But... Um, you're not saved by being dedicated to the Lord. You're not saved by being christened as, as, a, as, a, as a baby. There's an age of accountability that, that comes up that you have to be aware of your need for a Savior because all of us were born in sin. And you can never be grandfathered into the kingdom. I'm not saved because my parents are saved. You're not saved because your parents are saved. You're saved. It's, that's why they call it a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Being saved is simply just saying, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior, and that the only person that can save me is Jesus Christ, who is the only perfect and blameless sacrifice for my sins. Jesus came from the perfection of heaven and lived a life of perfection, a sinless life. He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. He shed His blood so that our sins can be washed away with his perfect blood. And then we acknowledge that by saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Your blood saves me, washes me clean. Won't you come and live in my heart? I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Come and live in my heart. That's what saves you. And I hope all of us have made that, ex uh, made that decision today. And all of us have come to that place of understanding. And it's at different ages. It's when we're children, we understand that stealing that cookie or telling that lie or doing that thing, being mean to someone, there's this conviction in our hearts. There's this sense of that was wrong. And that's the Holy Spirit really just tapping us on the shoulder saying, 
there's a better way. And so we come to a place where we maybe go to a kid's camp or we come to the altar at a church or we pray with our parents or somebody else leads us to the Lord. We find a place at our altar and we say, Jesus, forgive me. Come live in my heart and be the Lord of my life. Um, no, baby dedication, no baby dedication is going to save us uh, today. But I do want to share a story from the Bible today that the Lord put in my heart uh, this week. Uh, couldn't get away from it. Um, and it's, it, it really relates to all of us being dedicated to the Lord. Uh, and in fact, uh, we're going to see that it goes far beyond parents presenting their children before Jesus. And, and it's really an encouraging message for all of us today. Contrary to what you've heard earlier in the, in the service today, you are going to like this message. <laughs> because today we're all going to have an opportunity to be dedicated to the Lord. If you've never been dedicated to the Lord as a baby or a toddler, today's your day. So get ready, because we're going to have that experience at the end of the service. I bet you didn't think that you were going to be dedicated to the Lord today. But that's what's going to happen. I want you to turn with me to the first Samuel, chapter 1. It's a story that I shared a year or two ago on Mother's Day, um, telling the story of Hannah and the kind of mother that she was to young baby Samuel. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's just looking around at the, this beautiful body of, of Christ. And uh, so, good to, so good to be here. I'm glad you guys are here today. First Samuel chapter 1. I'm, I'm excited to be able to dedicate you all to the Lord today. I, I'm just so looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a very, very special, special time. If you're at First Samuel chapter 1, we're gonna, uh, I just want to unpack this story. We're going to take it a little bit at a time so that it can set the uh, stage for where we're going today. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, Now there was a certain man from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. Now I'm going to pass through all of the words there, the names that I don't need to pronounce, and I'm going to skip all that and then get to the point that says, and he had two wives. This man Elkanah had two wives, and the name of the one wife was called Hannah, and the other name of the other wife was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. You know that story, right? Hannah longed for a child. She just wanted a baby. She wanted to be blessed with a child. And so she made a vow to God. Let's look at verse 11. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord Almighty, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget me, but will give unto me a son, then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now, I'll unpack that in just a little bit, but I'm just, again, trying to set the, uh, the foundation here so that we know where we're going. So she made this request, and then we see later on in the story that God honored her request and gave her a son. Let's look at verse 20. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. Samuel, by the way, means told by God. So God said, yes, I will give you a son. And so she said, I'm going to then name him Samuel. So God honored uh, Hannah's vow before God and gave Hannah a little baby, Samuel, to him. But first we see in this story, before she presented Samuel back to the Lord, uh, he spent several years with his mama being weaned by him at home. Let's pick up in verse 21. When Elkanah went up with the, his family to offer the annual sacrifices to the Lord and fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. 
She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord and he will live there always. And then he said, do what seems best. Stay here until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. In other words, what he's saying is, in other words, let's make sure we hold our promise to God. Let's hold up our end of the bargain to this. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life, for he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So once off of this, the milk and able to eat table food, and, and, and you can look at this and wonder how old was, was Samuel, and he was probably around six years old, some say three, four, five, six, but if you look at the prayer in First Samuel chapter 2, as part of that prayer, she says, uh, referring to herself, I, I, I who was barren now have seven children. So you think, well, okay, she has seven children. This was after she gave birth to Samuel. So there's this interesting sort of dynamic to where she probably kept him, kept having children. Her womb was open, and he was probably around six years old or so. And then she brought young Samuel to stay with the priest Eli and Eli's two sons, and Eli's two sons were serving in the temple as well, but her, his two sons were wicked. Let's look at 2 Samuel, verses 11 and 12. It says, Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, but the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Eli's sons were wicked men, and they had no regard for the Lord. So here's Samuel in um, this environment, in the temple of God, serving the priest Eli, but yet these two other, uh, the sons of Eli, were wicked evil men also serving in the temple. So Samuel is getting this sort of influence there. So keep that in mind. Um, Samuel saw the evil of Eli's sons as he was growing up, but he continued to stay faithful to serving God. And every year Hannah brought Samuel a new linen ephod to replace the one that he had outgrown. The ephod was the priestly uh, garment. Okay, so keep that in mind. Let's get second, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Verses 17 through 19, as we see this part of the story. The sin of the young men, meaning Eli's two sons, was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice important. That's an important part of the story. It's there for a reason, and we'll unpack that in just a little bit. And so Samuel grew up physically. He grew up spiritually. And he also grew up influentially because it says, in, as we're going to read here, he was in favor with God, but he was also in favor with those who, who, who were God's people. It says here in the final verse that we're going to read in this story, in uh, chapter 2, verse 26, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. Okay, so there's that. I want to uh, unpack this by, and I hope you're going to take some notes today because it's so important for us to understand this story in the context of where we are today in 2022. This is not just a really sweet and powerful story from uh, a few thousand years ago. It's really for us today. 
So if you will write down, first off, the vow. As you're taking notes, the vow, write that down. Uh, as part of this that Hannah said in her vow to the Lord, she said, I'll give him to you all the days of his life, and I won't cut his hair. So I don't know if you've ever pictured Samuel as the priest here, but he had some really long hair, okay? And what, he was, what's, uh, what uh, Hannah was talking about was this thing, what we know as the Nazarite vow. Now I want to just real quick take a few minutes here and talk about what this Nazarite vow is because this vow speaks to, and I want you to write down this word, consecration. Consecration. It means being set apart. Consecrated. When you consecrate something, you're setting it apart. Special to God for service. You're consecrating something. You're setting something apart. I want you to look with me in Numbers chapter 6. And you can, um, actually, don't, don't turn there because I'm going to give you a synopsis. It's 21 verses. I'm not going to read it, but write this down. You can read it later. Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. What, uh, what this is, it, it starts, it sets up, establishes this Nazarite vow in Numbers. And a Nazarite vow could be for a day, a week, a year. It could be for a lifetime. And we know that Samson was one because, you know, the story of him getting his hair cut. He had this really long hair. And he, was a, he had a Nazarite vow. He, was a Nazar he had that Nazarite vow. Uh, John the Baptist was probably uh, the same, walking out that Nazarite vow for all of his life. Samuel was also one who did the same thing. What is a Nazarite vow? What are the dynamics of a Nazarite vow? And again, this is, we're going to apply this to our lives here today. So stay with me for just a second because I'm creating some foundation here to set it up. Very important this morning. The first thing that we look at in this Nazarite vow, there's actually three things. The first one was there would be no fermented drink that would touch the lips of those who were committing to this Nazarite vow. What does no fermented drink mean? Well, if we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 7, we understand that drunkenness, because we think about fermentation and drinking of alcohol, what does that do? It makes you drunk, doesn't it? It makes you kind of not your own self. And so if we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 7, we realize that what it's really saying is not just that you don't drink uh, you know, wine or some sort of fermented drink, but what it's saying is that drunkenness belongs to the children of darkness. Now keep this in mind, drunkenness could be anything that you partake of from the world, okay? If I can expand this out, it's not just alcohol. It's not just wine and beer or anything else that would make you a uh, little, you know, tipsy uh, or, or whatever. But what in your life is making you not right? See? What is it that you're consuming? It could very well be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be some sort of substance like that. Or it could be things that the world has to offer that is drawing you away and you're getting drunk by it. You understand what I mean by that? You know what I'm talking about. And you know exactly probably the thing that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your heart right now to say, this is what I've been talking to you about for many, many years. And here it is again, right in front of your face. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 through 7. It says, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. It's talking about the day of the Lord when the Lord returns. Uh, uh, the rapture. But you are all sons of the light and of the day. We do not belong to the night or 
to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So again, let's expand this out. If you are a child of drunkenness, that means that you're a child of darkness. That means that you're living in blindness. You're living in darkness. You're living in... The, sin blinds us. Sin darkens us. Sin causes us to be drunk with the things of, uh, of that particular activity that we're engaging with. And this is really what it's saying is as a Nazarite vow, as me walking in, 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 in accord with the Holy Spirit, in accord with the holiness of God, in accord with a right relationship with Jesus Christ, that I choose to not be part of the things that are of darkness. I, I, I reject the things of the darkness and I'm going to be a child of the light. That's really what this is talking about. So as you read the Nazarite vow and this commitment that it's making, we're saying in 2022 that as a, as a Nazarite vow, as I'm being set apart, as I'm being consecrated to the Lord, as this vow that I'm making to the Lord, I will not know any longer be a child of the darkness. Instead, I'm choosing to be a child of the light. I'm not going to walk in darkness anymore. Those that were walking in darkness, the Bible says in Isaiah, have seen a great light. His name is Jesus. I'm going to walk in light, in the light of Christ. How about you? How about you? How about you? Amen? Amen. So that's the first step, the first aspect of this Nazarite vow. Second thing, not, a Nazarite will not shave their head, or, or if you're a, a, a male, their beard. Not shave their head, not shave their beard. Now what that is, is simply an outward sign to the world of being set apart. We have baptism here. Uh, and if you read in the New Testament, there's an Old Testament. In fact, there's a lot of things about circumcision as well, which is setting the, 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 uh, the Jewish uh, uh, people apart from the rest of the world uh, and the rest of the people. It's an outward sign of what the Lord is doing inside. So that long hair, at least back in those days, was an outward sign to say, oh, you must be a, a, a Nazarite. You're, you must be walking in a Nazarite vow. You get that, right? So all it's saying is that we're identifying with and we're remaining in uh, the, the vine of, of God Almighty, or in our case, Jesus Christ, who's the revelation of God on earth. Let's look at John chapter 15, verses 5 through 6. Uh, this really talks to this. So again, we can expand this out by saying it's not just so that we stop drinking wine or beer. That's not what God's word is saying. Although I, I hope that you will cease and desist from anything that would be habit forming and cause you to be anything other than sound mind and walking in the light of Jesus Christ. I am not uh, uh, saying that drinking wine is going to send you to hell, but I'm saying please be careful with what you do. All right. And just walk in accordance with the things that are in the light, in the darkness. So God's word is not saying uh, stop drinking uh, wine and grow your hair really long. It's not saying that, you know, in the next year, all of a sudden, all of the guys in the church that can grow hair, let's put it that way, you know, have got it down to their hips or something. That's not it at all, right? <laughs> but pastor, I can't be a Nazarite because I can't grow hair. That's not what it's saying, all right? It's simply saying that I'm identifying 
my life. I am identifying with, this is important, I'm identifying with and I'm remaining in the vine of Jesus Christ. I'm growing my hair. I'm making an outward sign by my actions, by my speech, by my lifestyle choices. In everything that I do, I am set apart. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That sort of idea. I'm setting myself apart and outwardly by my actions, by my words, by everything that I do in my life, I'm a reflection and a representation of Jesus Christ because I'm not only identifying with Him, but I'm remaining in Him. John 15, verses 5 and 6 says, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking now. I am the vine and you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. You see that? I can say that I am part of Christ with my words, but if I'm not remaining in him, I'm separated from him, I'm not going to be fruitful. Secondly, I'm going to wither. Thirdly, I'm going to be thrown in the fire. I don't want any of that. I want to be fruitful. I want to be fresh and alive and pliable and ready to go. And I certainly don't want to be in any fire that is of my own choosing because of sin. I choose to grow my hair long. I choose to set myself apart. I choose to not only identify with Christ, but to remain in Him. That's another part of being consecrated. Here's the third thing. Part of the Nazarite vow, as we read in Numbers, is to not be near or touch a dead body. I agree with that too. Pastor, you know, you got, unless there's some morticians in here, you know, I think we're okay that none of us are necessarily walking around all week long touching dead bodies. But again, let's expand this out. This is not necessarily saying, now certainly as a Nazarene, as a, in the Nazarite vow, you literally cannot be near or touch a dead body. But as we expand it out to where we are today, what this is really saying is, that I choose to not be part of the realm of the dead, but choose to be part of the realm of the living. When I was not in Christ, I was dead. But in Christ, I am alive. But my life is not my own. It's his life through me. I have been crucified with Christ, the Bible says, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me, right? So... What this Nazarite vow is for us in 2022 is, again, it doesn't say stop drinking alcohol, grow your hair real long, and stop touching dead bodies. What's saying is be part of the light, not part of the darkness. Outwardly identify and remain in your relationship with Jesus Christ without being ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? And thirdly, I am not going to be part of the... the, uh, the the land of the, of the dead, which is really Satan. Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the full. So how about it? As we make that decision and consecrate ourselves to be set apart and choose to remain in Christ, we have become part of the land of the living. And one day, we're going to live forever in a place called heaven. And that's the ultimate living.
the ultimate land of the living. So this Nazarite vow speaks to being completely consecrated and set apart to God and to being completely devoted to God. Hannah's vow, in other words, is our vow. Hannah's vow is our vow. When we accept Christ, we make an initial choice to be set apart, to be consecrated, and to be completely devoted to Him. It's an initial choice that we make, but it's also a daily choice that we make. We daily choose to be children of the light. We daily choose to identify with and remain in Jesus. We daily choose to be part of the realm of the living. So that's the vow. Let's look at the weaning. Write this down, the weaning. The weaning, that's a funny word, isn't it, weaning? Hannah weaned Samuel. Now this speaks to preparation. Could you write down the word preparation? So we have consecration. The vow is the consecration. The weaning is the preparation. Preparation. Think about this. Hannah spent the first three, four, five, six years of Samuel's life not only making sure that he was off of the milk and onto the meat and that he was potty trained and all that, but she also was able to speak into his life. Kind of reminds me of the story of Moses, too, when you think about it. You know the story of Moses? Moses was got by the Pharaoh's daughter and out of the basket. But then guess who was called to take care of little baby Moses? Moses' mama. Until he was weaned. So she was able to speak into his life, too. Samuel did the same thing. Hannah did the same thing with Samuel. For several years, for three, four, five, six years, Hannah poured into <clears throat> Samuel's life the maturity, the wisdom, <clears throat> the insight, <clears throat> the, uh, the love that she had for God, all of that, the relationship, she just poured it into his life. <clears throat> and you know, we, we all know this too, the, the formative years for any child is the first three, four, five, six years of life. Once they're about six years old, they're kind of locked and loaded. I mean, God can change them, but how they are, their, their personality, the way that, just kind of the way that they are, they're kind of there at six years old so god help anybody that has grandchildren that are past that that are like struggling so god please help our grandchildren to change even though they're at past six years old just help them but I, i'm so thankful that god is doing the same thing in us right he wants us to grow up in all things that relate to him he desires today that we move from the milk to the meat we've heard that before right now it doesn't mean that it's going to take us three to six years and all of a sudden we're going to grow up because I know that there's a lot of Christians that have known Jesus for 20, 30, 40 years and they're still hanging out on the milk. They choke if they get any little bit of meat to them. They just can't handle it. They just skip along the surface and they never get down deep. But God is calling us as a church to get off of the milk and onto the meat and to stop having our diapers changed all the time. It's time for us to grow up in Christ. The body of Christ needs to grow up. He wants us to grow up in all things that relate to Him. He's weaning us, or at least He desires to wean us, if we'll simply sit at His feet and draw from Him. And all of life's experiences and seasons, and I know I've talked with so many people over these last couple of years especially, it has been challenging in so many different ways. But I've got to tell you this today, that God is, is, is getting ready. He's putting you through spiritual schooling because he's preparing you for a promotion in his kingdom. Did you know that every challenge that you're facing, every trial, every situation, every struggle is because God is preparing you for a promotion. Say this with me. Say, God is preparing me. 
for a promotion. Turn to someone and say, God is preparing you for a promotion. That's right. Every struggle, every situation, God is moving you from the milk to the meat. He's weaning you. He's growing you in all things that are Him. He's building for us a solid spiritual foundation. But there's got to be a point where we go from the preparation to that actual promotion. And then we read in this story that's exactly what happened to Samuel. And I want you to write this down, the release. So we got the vow, we got the weaning, and now we have the release. And this release speaks to activation. You want to write that word activation down, because Hannah delivered, we read, we read a moment ago, Hannah delivered Samuel to Eli as promised, and Samuel served in the temple before the Lord all the rest of his days. So let's do a little review here. So God has saved us, and that's, that's our birth. God has set us apart. That's our vow. He's prepared us. That's the weaning. And his plan is for all of us, his plan is to release us, to promote us, to activate us for service. Not that we would remain on the milk, but that we would go to the meat and that we would get out there and make a difference. It's time to reproduce. It's time to get out there and activate what God has prepared and put in our hearts to do, whatever that looks like. Service for Jesus is very fulfilling. I can say that, Kelly and I, um, in the years that we've served the Lord, extremely fulfilling in so many different ways. But we can also say, and I think you can understand this too, and you can say amen to it, that also serving Jesus doesn't come without difficulties. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 20, verses 18 through 21, Paul was headed to Rome. He was headed there for a trial. And... Um, he was speaking to the congregation lovingly these words just before he was getting ready to get on the boat and off he went. When they arrived, Paul said to them, you know how, how I lived this whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I ser Listen to this. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. We know Paul went through a lot. We read his story. As much as he had rewards and great favor and great success, he also experienced great testing and great tribulation and many tears, prison and beatings and all of that. So, you know, as much as we can experience these wonderful things in the Lord, the tests still come. The trials will still, are still there. You know, he says, that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It didn't stop them. The trials didn't stop them. The testing didn't stop them. The prisons didn't, the prison, the stoning didn't stop them. Nothing stopped him. He continued to do the work of the Lord, even in the midst of the struggles. That speaks to maturity. That speaks to, I'm on the meat of the word. I've got a solid foundation. I know in whom I believe and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to step back. I'm not going to give up. Trials are going to be there in our lives. Expect them. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be severe testing. And you will have opponents. 
as Samuel faithfully served God. Think about this. Eli's sons were evil, and they had no regard for God. I, I imagine Eli's sons taunting young Samuel and probably belittling him. I imagine them inviting Samuel maybe to join in some of their evil ways, but the Spirit of God was with Samuel. He stayed true to God in the midst of temptations and in the taunting. And today, in the midst of the evil that's around us, and the testing and the challenges that are facing us, and to those who have no regard for the Lord, I'm here to tell you today that the Spirit of the Lord is with you and me. The Holy Spirit is with you today. He's not sitting there in the midst of your trial going, hey, Oh, well, I better show up. He's been there the whole time. He's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Don't worry about evil, folks. Let me just redirect you here just for a second. Don't you worry about evil. Don't you focus on it. I know as you read it, you hear about it, and you see it all around. But we can get drawn into it so quickly. Don't you focus on that. You keep your eyes fixed on the author and the finish of your faith. You, you, stay, you, stay, you stay true to what he's called you to do. Don't you be influenced by that sin. You need to tune out that taunting and all that social media. You're just a Jesus freak, you big... Ah. That's just words. Words hurt. But they're not the prominent words that you will be listening to. It's what God's word says. It's what I'm preaching here from the pulpit today to direct you back to Jesus Christ and what his word has to say about you. To be encouraged in the faith today. Ignore those belittling comments. Embrace the severe testing. Serve God. Just serve him with your whole heart. Stay focused on your call. Stay faithful to the task. Guard your heart. Guard your sanctification. Guard your consecration to the Lord. Stay consecrated. Stay set apart to God for service. Your test and your struggles are preparing you for promotion in Him. So keep your eyes on the prize of your high calling in Jesus Christ because the Bible says, as you do, your reward is and will be great in Him. Yeah. And you know, I could end it right there, but uh, and we think, man, is that the, is that the story? Yeah, that could be the end of the story, but it's not because we, there's a couple more things here. We're not done with the story of Hannah and Samuel because as much as, as our birth in Christ at salvation is, is necessary and as much as our vow to serve him all of our days as we set ourselves apart from this world is important and as much as we prepared ourselves uh, for that service and now we're actively engaged in service for him, we should never stop growing in him. Which brings us to the robe. Write it down. The robe. This, this ephod. Every year it says, this is such an interesting part of the story. I never even thought about it really in this way until this week. And the Lord just started unfolding this before. So that's pretty interesting actually. Every year Hannah brought Samuel an ephod to replace the one that he had outgrown. Well, why would that even be? There's nothing accidental in God's word, right? Why is that there? Oh, how sweet. Hannah can sew and she loves Samuel. No. Yes, but No. Now, we know that an ephod was a priestly garment. All the priests wore them. All the people in that temple wore them. They were servants of the Lord. And we also know that as any young person that is fed well and, you know, is, uh, and gets plenty of sleep and what, this is what they need to do if they're healthy, they're going to grow physically. And we see and we read in God's word, we read the story that he grew spiritually, he grew physically, he grew in every way. So I want you to write down another word as we talk about this robe because it really speaks to rejuvenization. Uh, I put it up there so you don't have to try to figure out how to spell it. Rejuvenization. 
Rejuvenation, I should say. Rejuvenation. I can't even say it right. Rejuvenation. It is up there, right? No. It's not? No. Rejuvenation. <laughs> Phonetically sound it out. And then you can look up how to spell it when you get home. Rejuvenation. How many has ever been rejuvenated? You know what I'm talking about, right? I am so tired. I'm so thirsty. And you drink a big old beautiful glass of cold water. Oh, I'm so refreshed. That's rejuvenation. I'm so hungry and you have a big old meal and you're rejuvenated. I'm so tired and I get a good nap. I'm rejuvenated. We need to be rejuvenated in the Lord, don't we? Because sometimes we just get weary in well-doing. The Bible says don't get weary in well-doing, but it's hard not to. And so what do you do with that? We do get weary in well-doing. We get weary. We just get beat up. So what do we do? Well, sometimes our clothes get worn out, don't they? I'm talking about the clothes that we're wearing right now. Sometimes they get stained or soiled or, or smell, don't they? So what is the solution to when, we, when we, we patch that shirt just as many times as we can patch it? We, it, it the, the seams are coming out of it. It's out of style. I mean, the 1960s is called and they want their shirt back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you know, I've got my money's worth out of this shirt. Those, those, those bell-bottom polyester pants are, you know, the, the leisure suits from the early 70s. Guys, do, do I hear an amen for that? Oh, my Lord, I got some pictures of that. And my brother and I dressed up in our leisure suits, and oh, my goodness, that was the style back then. Wouldn't be caught dead in it today, but that was the style back then. So what do you do when that happens? You kind of, it gets out of style, they get worn out, or like, you just go and, go and get new clothes, don't you, right? Go to whatever your favorite place is to buy those clothes. Spiritually speaking, our garments are really the, what the Bible calls the robe of righteousness of Christ. Now think about that for just a second. In fact, Isaiah 61, 10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me in, with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Ah, okay. So let's connect Samuel's ephod that Hannah kept uh, making for him with this truth that we know that spiritually speaking we have a robe of righteousness so i want to ask you this morning how has your robe been fitting lately your robe of righteousness how's it been fitting lately is it getting snug or is it still the same or maybe you're starting to swim in it i'll talk about that in just a second so what's its condition is the robe of righteousness that you're wearing, is it soiled? Does it smell? Have you neglected it? Have you swapped out maybe Christ's righteous robe for your own filthy rags robe by chance? See, when you got saved, Jesus swapped out your filthy rags robe for a robe of righteousness, right? But by chance, by chance, possibly, have you maybe slipped that off and started wearing your filthy rags once more, you kind of look in the closet and say, well, I sure missed that. I think I'm going to put that on for a while. I, I just want to say something. Spiritually speaking, it's time to get our closets cleaned out. Have you have ever done a spring cleaning? Closet spring cleaning, right? Spiritually speaking, it's time to do a spring cleaning. If there's anything in your closet right now, that needs to get out. Now, again, I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. If there's anything hanging up in there that you find that you keep going to, I'm just going to put that little hat on. I'm just going to put that little scarf on. I'm going to, I'm going to, just, I'm going to put this on. 
I'd miss it. I wonder what it felt. Oh, that feels kind of good. God will forgive me. I'm going to just, you know, repent on Sunday. I'm going to hang it back up there. We never throw it away. We just put it right up there and just in case we ever need it again. Is that maybe possibly something that we might be doing? See, what garments are there that don't belong that you've been wearing instead of the righteous robe of Christ? As we, as we choose what we're going to wear every day, you all chose what you were going to wear today. You got in your closet and maybe your spouse picked out your outfit. But anyway, you, thank the Lord you're wearing clothes, whatever it is. So you're here today and you've got some clothes on, right? But as we choose every day to wear something, we also spiritually make a choice to put on that robe of righteousness or to put on that filthy rags of the things of this world. So as we're being changed from glory to glory, as we grow in Him, our priestly robes of righteousness should be getting actually tighter. Think about it. I, I don't want to get fat, you know, physically, but I sure would like to get huge spiritually, right? You know what I'm saying? I want that robe, I just want righteousness to grow and grow and grow so that that robe needs to keep getting expanded. Our righteous influence on our world should be getting greater and greater, in other words. Sadly, I feel the robes of many of those in church today in our generation have received uh, that, 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 been that same robes that they've had for years and years. They, they just, they, they're not growing. And scarily, they're actually, they've even stopped growing. They're, they're shrinking. They're, they're swimming in that robe uh, because, it, because they're really not growing in the Lord. But it's time to be rejuvenated. So I want you to do a quick check here today. How are you doing in your consecration? How are you doing in being set apart for the Lord? Are you still wholeheartedly choosing to live as a child of the light like you once did? Or are you more and more embracing the dark? Going back to the Nazarite vow, are you still wholly choosing to identify with and remain in Jesus Christ as our true vine? As you once did, are you sometimes identifying with the world? How about this? Are you still wholeheartedly choosing to be part of the realm of the living as you once did? Or are you finding yourself giving into the death of the flesh? When's the last time you had to get a more roomy, righteous robe? The heavenly garments store is always open. Yeah. And the price has already been paid. And there's a bright, new, shiny, fresh, and clean, glorious robe waiting for you today. So, finally, as we find out what happened with Samuel, I want you to write down the word, the results. The results. We know Samuel's life. We've, 2020, being able to look back that hindsight, saying, oh, okay, this is what happened with Samuel's life. Good for him. And I just remind you that Samuel was just a man just like you and I. Just a human being. He dedicated, his dedication to the Lord impacted his generation and the generations that followed. In fact, his life today is impacting us. He was one of the great men of God in the Bible. Now Samuel could have. He could have gone the way of the world. He could have been swayed by the influence of Eli's evil sons who, by the way, God didn't put up with it very long after that. They, they were taken out. God took them out and the dad at the same day. He could have been swayed by Eli's sons. And by the way, being in church and serving God does not exempt us from sin. All of us are sinners, every single one of us in this place. 
All of us are tempted. All of us, think about it, Samuel was serving in, in the temple. And so were Eli's sons. Just because you're in God's presence, just because you're coming to church on Sunday, just because you read God's word, just because you pray every day, just because of all those things and you're really engaged in the Lord doesn't mean that you're not exempt to being tempted with the things of this world. Just got to press in, just trust in the Lord and keep your heart consecrated to him. Samuel could have let slide his commitment to God, allowing the things of the world to subtly creep in. You know, Jesus on Sundays and the world Monday through Saturday just won't work. Samuel chose to remain a child of the light. Samuel chose to remain identified with his Lord. Samuel chose to remain in the realm of the living. Samuel nurtured and guarded and rejuvenated his relationship with God daily. Samuel kept growing and changing out his ephod on a regular basis, taking good care to keep that ephod clean and repaired and in excellent condition. He kept his focus on God and his service to him. Samuel stayed true to the understanding of all of his parents taught him and modeled for him and continued to remind him as he was dedicated to God. Today, all of us, as I said at the beginning of the service, have an opportunity to be dedicated to the Lord. I know that others of us maybe in this place are saying, well, I'm already dedicated to the Lord. How about let's do a rededication to the Lord? Because today I believe with all of my heart that the Lord would have each one here, that you're not here by accident, that you would, all of us, either be dedicated or rededicated. If you've never been dedicated to the Lord, if you were not raised in church, and this would be the time to go get the kids, by the way. Thank you. Um, if you were dedicated to the Lord as a baby, great. If you weren't, okay. Let's, let's correct that. Let's go ahead and take care of that, right? Let's do that today. I don't know what brought you here to this place in your life's journey. But today, for those of you who are still with me and not sleeping... <laughs> If someone's sleeping next to you, just give them a good old in the ribs. Yeah. Yeah, it's time to wake up. I want everyone to stand. Maybe that'll determine who's sleeping and who's not. If you don't hear me, you're... Yeah. Stand with me. I, I can't say that I've ever done this before. And I don't know if I'll ever do it again, but I know that today I'm supposed to do it. Kids, once you go with your parents or your grandparents, whoever you're with, here with today. Children, if you will, go be seated with your parents. You can make sure that all the kids go with their parents, okay? Our children are being under attack in this generation as never before. And I want to dedicate these children to the Lord today and ask God for protection. Well, I want to pray for the children today. But I also want to pray for the adults today. All of us today. And if, and if, again, if you've never been dedicated to the Lord, let me, as your pastor, dedicate you today. God, God's not looking for you to be a baby. You know, well, you don't qualify now because you're not a baby. It doesn't matter. It's a heart posture, and, and I think it'd probably even be more significant because you know exactly what you're doing. But I want to dedicate you to the Lord today. 
And I, I just would ask you, and I hope that everybody will do this. And if you're at home today, here's the thing that you need to do. Um, and I've asked you to do this before, but today I, I can't emphasize enough. I want you to get up from where you are and walk to a certain place that is setting apart from where you are right now. Get up off the couch, off the dining table, wherever you may be, and get to another place. Turn the camera around so you can still see us. But get to a place where it's in the center of the room, it's maybe you're kneeling down, whatever it is, but get to a place where it's separate. And for the, all of us that are here today, I want to ask you if you would give me the privilege of dedicating you to the Lord. I feel like that the Lord is saying it's time to go back and make right what wasn't right in your life. He wants to make it right today. He wants to make it right today. He wants to, he wants to set you right today. What your parents didn't know to do or chose not to do or whatever, we're not going to be mad at them. We're not going to blame them. We're going to go back and get the blessing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go back and get the blessing today. And I want with all my heart for everybody in this place to receive this, but it's your choice. But I invite you to physically come and stand before the presence of the Lord as I dedicate you today to the Lord. If that's you and that's resonating in your heart, I invite you to come right now and uh, join me up front. And I really, really want all of the children to come up. Every child in this place, every teenager, without exception. And children, please stand with your parents or your grandparents, whoever you're here with. And Emma, you don't have to play. Thank you. I, I just... This is all right. I would love for you to stay here. Just don't, I don't need any music today. That's fine. I, I, I just want everybody to participate in this. I'm not worried about the sound system back there. If you guys want to come up, whatever you want to do. This is just us today. You know? all the parents to just hug your, hold your children right now. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Hold them tight. Now, if your child is not here, if you have a grown child, listen to me now. If you have grandchildren, um, or if you have like adopted children, you know. You're the Mima. There's no blood relation, but you're still, you're still the, you know, you're still there. I, I want you to stand in place of it as well today, too. And let's dedicate them to the Lord as well, wherever they are. That God will protect them. That God will put a heart in them that's consecrated to the Lord. I want you to call out their names to the Lord as I'm praying. For your children. Let's pray for the children right now. 
Father, we pray for our children. We pray for our grandchildren. We pray for their souls right now. God, that they would be consecrated, that they would be set apart, that they would know you, that they would have a heart for you. God, that you would just right now visit them where they are, here in this sanctuary or wherever they are in this nation or in this world. God, your spirit, go right there. We dispatch your Holy Spirit right now. And right now, infuse in their hearts the reality of who you are, Lord Jesus. Let them know who you are. Let them develop a love for you starting today. Let them be aware of you starting today. Let them be drawn to you starting today. Let them desire holiness and righteousness and purity starting today. Protect them, Lord God, from the deceit of this going on in the world today. The, the, the onslaught of evil and deception and, 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 and untruth that's taking place in our, in our school systems and in our culture. Oh God, we, 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 we just come against that in the name of Jesus. And we pray a hedge of protection over our children and over our grandchildren. The difficult home lives that they're dealing with. The struggles that they're facing every day that we don't even know the half of. Oh God, you know all of it. And we pray, God, that you would go to them, whether they're children, teenagers, or grown-ups. They're still our children. They still break our hearts. They're still a burden to us, oh God. Oh, please, Jesus, watch over our kids. Watch over our kids, God. Consecrate them. Set them apart. Let them be drawn to you, Lord God. Let them repent of their sins. Oh, God, watch over our children. Watch over our children today. Let their minds be a sound mind. Don't let them be deceived, Lord God. Let them walk in the truth of who you are, Lord God. We pray for our children today. God, I thank you today. Watch over their minds. Oh, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over their minds. I pray, God, that nothing would be allowed to come in except the truth of who you are. Oh, I come against the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. You can't have our kids, Satan. God, we give you our children today. They belong to you. We dedicate them to you. We consecrate them to you. Lord God, let them love their bodies. Let them know that they were born male and female. Let them know to not, but we pray against confusion. We pray against the attacks of the enemy that would try to confuse our young people today. God, we thank you that we're fearfully and wonderfully made and you make no mistakes. God, we pray for their futures. Let them choose the right spouse. or oh, Let them choose the right career. Let them work for you. Let them roll up their sleeves, Lord God, and go into action for you, Lord God, and serving you, whatever that looks like. Lord, I pray that you raise up ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this congregation. Young, young men and young women, Lord God, children. God, raise them up to have a heart for you, to be preachers for you, Lord God. To, 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 to preach your word, Lord God. To, to stand up, to be the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's of their generation that they wouldn't bow their knee to anything or anybody but you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord, let them choose the right relationships, whether it be a spouse or whether it be friends. 
God, I pray that you'd bring friends to them. Shadrach had Meshach and Abednego. I mean, they, they were hanging out together. They weren't alone. Lord, I pray that you'd bring friends to them that are believers. Godly people that would draw them into the holy, righteous, pure lifestyle that they desire as well. Let that be the draw. Let that be the influence on their lives. Let them be an influence on others in that way. If they can't find a friend like that, let them make a friend like that by, by, by bringing them to Jesus, Lord God. Let them choose the right spouses, Lord God, that have a heart for you. No Jezebels, no, no evil, no, no wickedness. Ugh, in the name of Jesus, we pray protection that they would choose the right spouses. Men and women, Lord God, wherever they are right now, these future spouses, Lord God, keep their hearts pure. Keep preparing them, Lord God, for these, for these young people that are growing up and one day are going to need a, a godly spouse. We pray for those godly people out there that you have assigned to these, to these, men, these young men and women, these young boys and girls one day. God, let them find that spouse that loves you, that serves you with their whole heart. Oh God, we consecrate, we set apart our children today. We dedicate our children to the Lord, our young ones, our teenagers, our grown-up children, and our grandchildren, and those, our great-grandchildren, and those that, that, are just, that are just under our care, whoever they are, these precious kids, foster kids, and adopted kids, and all the people that you placed under our care. God, we dedicate them all. The tent is huge. And we just pray, God, that you just bring them all in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you called out those names? If you haven't, do it now. Do it now because I'm getting ready to pray for the grown-ups here. So you call and take a few moments and just call out those names. Say, Lord, everything that Pastor Brian just prayed, I pray for and just name their names. I'm going to start off with, uh, I thank you, Lord, for Jack. I thank you, Lord, for, for Piper. I thank you, Lord, for Wyatt. I thank you, Lord, for, for Eloise. I, I thank you, Lord, God, for, um, for Cameron. I thank you, Lord, for Braden. Uh, I thank you, Lord, God, for these precious children, Lord God, these precious grandchildren. Uh, Lord, I pray for... Um, for Mills, and I pray for Greta, Lord God. I pray that you'd watch over them and let them have a heart for you, Lord Jesus, our, our grandchildren. Lord, we also, I just pray for, for all of my nieces and nephews as well. I, I pray, Lord God, for, for, for Brenner. I pray, Lord God, for, 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 uh, for Palin. I pray, God, for, 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 for Kelly, uh, a nephew Kelly. I pray, Lord God, for, for uh, oh, uh, Lydia. I pray, God, for Nixie. Uh, uh, am I missing anybody? I think that's everybody. Lord God, you know who they are. You know where they are. Lord Jesus, I, I, pray, for, I, I pray for my brother. I pray for his, his, his children. I, I pray, Lord God, those that have strayed away. Lord God, you know who they are. I, I, God, we're calling out these names to you right now. We, we, just, we trust in you, Lord, that you're bringing them back. And, and, and we're dedicating them and setting them apart for you. All the struggles, all the confusion, all the battles, all the stuff that's going on. God, we thank you that you're our burden bearer and you care and you've got these people well in your hands. These people that are so precious to us are far more precious to you than we could ever imagine that they are to us. As much as we love these precious grandchildren and great-grandchildren and children and all that, God, you love them infinitely more. We dedicate them to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, I want to dedicate the adults here. Lord, for those that maybe never got dedicated as a child, 
Never got dedicated as a baby. Kind of just missed that boat. Lord, we're going to go back now and get it. We're going to go back and get that blessing. We're going to go back and... <laughs> we're going to go back and fix this. We're going to go back and get it. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able to do that this morning. As, as the pastor here is the shepherd of this flock. I pray now a dedication. If that's you this morning, I, I just you can you can open up your heart. You can lift up your hand. I don't know what you want to do, but this is for you now. So uh, I just want you to just get just 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 prepare your heart right now and receive this blessing that I'm getting ready to bless over you. Um, if you've never been dedicated to the Lord, I'm dedicating you now. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for each man and each woman in this place and each one within the sound of my voice. Lord, as they've grown up physically and they've been through a journey of experiences in their life that has brought them to where they are right now, the good and the bad, the joys and the struggles, but here we are today and you've been faithful and you've been good. <laughs> You're a good God. And today, Lord God, as these precious, <laughs> precious souls, precious sons and daughters of you, Lord God, as they come here and they stand before you, I dedicate them to you in the name of Jesus. I just, I just extend my hands out, Lord God. I can't touch each every one, but you can. And as I extend my hands out, I pray a prayer of blessing over each one, Lord, that they would be set apart and dedicated for service to you. As Hannah did Samuel, Lord God, I, I make a vow that, they, that these, these, these men and these women today are consecrated and set apart for service. Lord God, that we won't be part of the dead anymore. We're going to be part of the living. We're not going to be part of the darkness anymore. We're going to be part of the light. We're going to acknowledge and, and identify with you, Lord Jesus, and be grafted into and remain in you today. I pray that, I pray that set apart. I pray that vow, uh, that Nazarite vow over each one in this, in this room today. That we would all be set apart, identify with you from this day on, and remain in you from this day on. Lord, that we would be part of the light and not the darkness from this day on. Lord, that we would be part of the living and not part of the darkness from this day on. I pray right now a prayer of dedication and consecration. And Father God, I thank you. That we're going back and getting the blessing. We're going back and getting that blessing right now. However far back it is. Here we are today, Lord God. We're being blessed. We're being consecrated and set apart. We thank you, God. That now we can go forward knowing, hey, I've been dedicated to the Lord. My pastor dedicated me. <laughs> My pastor consecrated me. My pastor set me apart. I'm a child of the light. I'm identifying with Jesus. I'm a child of the living. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for forgiving us of our sins, that you're healing us of our past, that you're renewing our minds daily, that we're going to look to you from this day on. And I pray, God, that you continue not only to prepare us, but I pray, God, that you would activate us activate us for service to you and just and just and, and and god change out this 
this righteous robe regularly. I want to grow. We want to grow in you. I pray, God, that you would help us to, to grow in you, to get that to get that ephod changed, that we would take care of the one you've given us. But, Lord, let it, let it get a little snug on us because we want a new one. We want a bigger one because we want our impact to be greater and greater in, in not only in this generation and beyond. That's what I pray, Lord God, as I dedicate this, this, this beautiful, your sons and daughters, your precious children to you. Lord, I pray that same... Uh, that same... Uh, impact that each of us would have as Samuel had in his generation, let us have in our generation. Let each one of us have in this generation. And we love you. And we praise you. And we thank you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Come on, give him praise. Yeah. <laughs>